Hello and welcome to C21's Talking Shop. My name's Jonathan Webdale. MIPCOM 2018 is almost upon us and we'll be doing our usual look ahead. But first of all, a little word about us. C21 celebrates its 21st anniversary this year, so it's a particularly special one for us. And I'm joined by two people who were there from the start. Editor-in-Chief and Managing Director David Jenkinson and Editorial Director Ed Waller. Hello. Hi. How are you? Yeah, older and wiser, I think we probably are. Uh, Ed? Exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Take us all the way back to the moment where it all began for C21. Well, 21 years in entertainment is a long time, isn't it? And we came down to MIPCOM 1997 with our first magazine. We'd left our jobs working for other publishers to, to launch the business. And the plan was to launch a website, but the market wasn't ready for that. And so we launched um, with a magazine first. And the idea was that we'd develop that magazine and brand. And then when we were ready and the market was ready, we'd, we'd launch the website as well. Uh, and that's what we did with Channel 21 um, in October uh, 1997. Uh, and, and it took a few years for things to develop before we launched the website in, in 2000. But I suppose, you know, the first few years of that business were really sort of formative for the industry as well as for us. I mean, over the 21-year period that Channel 21 magazine has been in, in existence, plus C, the C21 media business, the, it's, it's changed from an analogue uh, market to a digital one. So we've sort of walked quite sort of nicely alongside this evolution. And I think we've, we've only realised in the last sort of five or six years how significant those, those changes have, have become and how it's inf- affected the content business. So the very fact that people would watch uh, television on their phones back in 1997 was, was not really even being talked about. The internet wasn't even being talked about. We'd only just uh, got past sending out information by fax. So these were really, really early days. And I suppose looking back on it, we knew we wanted to create a community. We knew what the internet was, but the magazine was a stepping stone to to, to getting to where we needed to be next. I think one of the really interesting things about the magazine is that it's grown across those 21 years. So even as we've gone from uh, an analog business to a digital business, it is the case that people still do like old-fashioned things like print. And I think it's testament, it's one of the biggest issues we've ever published at this market. And it's nice to see the fact that good old-fashioned journalism and good old-fashioned publishing is still very much uh, loved by the business. The industry itself, though, has obviously, as you say, transformed during that time. I think 97 was the first time that buyers in Cannes had seen what, what's been described as the, the original reality show. Expedition Robinson was trailed on, on tapes, of course, as it was at the time for, for buyers there. And a couple of years later was rolled out around the world as Survivor. I mean, the, the formats business, for example, didn't really exist back then, did it? Well, it did. It was just it was a very small group of people coming up with ideas and then exporting them around the world is you know going back into the early days of the format business in in the late 90s you know there was there was not that many companies coming up with ideas and loads of networks around the world buying them so it was very much a, a sort of seller's market and um but nowadays obviously fast forward 21 years and it's it's much more fragmented and everyone has understood the question and come up with their own answers and you know the format business as a microcosm of the changes is is a good example because it's suddenly the, the old com- countries and companies that used to dominate the business are, are, are losing that, that cultural dominance and everyone is, is getting a piece of the, of the pie. Um, and you can say the same about 
drama and everything. Back in nine, uh, 97, the stories that we used to write in, in the issue were about, you know, US programming and who's buying it. And now you look at now nowadays and it's, it's the, the dominance of US programming in the prime time has declined and it's equally about Turkish or Korean or... or um, well, it's not French. even about prime time anymore, is it? It's about online time. And I think none of us knew that was going to happen. I think the other thing Ed, that, that, that I've noticed is the barrier to entry has been lowered in terms of cost and access to information. You know, you mentioned buyers showing up in Cannes to watch the new shows on, uh, on tape. They arrived in Cannes looking to be surprised and see things that they hadn't come across before. Nowadays, everybody knows not only what's coming up, they've seen it, they've screened it. So, And, and, and also, there's probably no opportunity to buy into it because the international sales have already been wrapped up in some deal with, with, with somebody else. So, so the nature of the business has really, really changed as well. And it, I, I still do think it's fascinating that we can still cover that amazing change with a print magazine. We've obviously got our online offering, but it's really interesting that sort of print survives as, as part of that story. I think the, um, I mean, you mentioned the uh, sort of the changes. I think that, that there's challenges even to the extent of threats to the existence of the distribution business over those years. You know, we, we've all heard of, of the, the, the consolidation. C21's been reporting on the vertical integration over the years. And you talk to some distributors now, and it's not just changing from analog to digital. It's changing from a, a business where they could they could uh, buy rights to shows uh, uh, for a certain price point and, and be um, confident of getting a, a return on that investment to nowadays they, they can't buy rights to shows at all because that production company is already part of a much bigger group and all the rights are spoken for and the, and the few remaining bits of product that they can bid on get circled by loads of other companies and overbid on and, and you know that, that return on investment is, is, is threatened. You know, we've got such big companies now moving into d distribution, whether it's multi-billion dollar talent agencies taking the business or whether it's multi-billion dollar ad agencies launching distribution companies. The idea of those little uh, distribution companies that used to take pages in issue one, whether it was, you know, ITEL or Explore or Chum City, or all those, those companies that first advertised in, in issue number one. You know, it's a much more of a vertically integrated business now. And then you've got the whole SVOD question, which is not just challenging the distribution business, but bypassing it entirely. You don't need a distributor if you've already got a a VOD platform uh, that covers you know every country in the world. So th those are examples where rights are being drained out of the distribution business, uh, and the few remaining you know the companies that are scrabbling around to to get their supply lines have to invest much earlier in the production process, uh, take much riskier bets on something that might be a hit in three or five years time, uh, and it, and it, you know it, 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 the old business models are just not there anymore. So it's. Um, it's not just interesting times, it's kind of slightly worrying if you're in the dis distribution business. Yeah, and I suppose that distribution business has, has become the, the funding of original content business, hasn't it? So, sort of, you know, distributors are really now financiers uh, of programming. I suppose the worrying thing for, for the community that is the MIPCOM community, which is the acquirers and the sellers, is that their jobs have changed to become commissioners and financiers and the piece that's left of the pie to sell globally in an unseen way 
has now all but disappeared. So what does the market become? And yeah, ex exactly. And we haven't even really seen Apple and Facebook come into the mix yet also as commissioners. So I don't think that the, the content business is necessarily in any state of decline, but perhaps the sale of finished program rights is, is certainly has certainly got a big question mark over over it. So so what will MIPCOM look like in in twenty one years time? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? What will the entertainment look, business look like in twenty one years time as well? I, I don't rightly know, but uh, it's certainly going to change. Disney acquiring twenty first century Fox, Comcast buying Sky, Warner Brothers now a part of AT and T, Endemol Shine still very much in play as we at least at this moment as we're we're looking ahead to MIPCOM, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, Facebook, YouTube, Google, the Fangs, their influence being increasingly felt. And, and in fact, bringing about many of the, the changes and, and, and prompting a lot of the consolidation that we're seeing in the industry because we're moving towards an era where the, the, the fundamental technology, I guess, behind the delivery of content has, has changed. And that's really the story that's come out of a lot of the uh, the interviews that we've been doing for our magazines in the run-up to Cannes. And partially, it's, it's the story of our own company as well. The internet was always conceived at the beginning as part of the business plan as one day being the primary means of delivery and and as you say in the last five years that's really become a reality for for the rest of the industry yeah but i think that the you know the, the initial concept and if we look back to i've still got a piece of paper which has got a big circle drawn on it uh, which has the words international entertainment community written uh, around it and then hanging off that circle are all sorts of different products and services so i don't think that developing community through the internet is necessarily about one thing you can do with it. I think the success of what we've achieved in our own small way within this sort of revolution is we've understood that it's not about publishing, it's about community and then community management. And so what can you provide that community with once you gather that community together? And things like the conferences that we've launched around that community with Content London, Drama Summit West, what we've done with our reports, brand, schedule, watch our C21 screenings platform. Really, I think today, if you can own a community and have a relationship with that community, just like Netflix does or Facebook does, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what Facebook does in content because that is our own, an owner of a relationship and a behaviour. And I think we, 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 that's what we've learned, I think, down the journey, that it's really about how you can engage with that community and, and, and do things beyond what you currently see in order to succeed. And I think perhaps the content industry needs to be completely reimagined because what's happened with YouTube stars and producers and prosumers and all of these sort of smaller groups of people that have created offerings that are beyond the understanding and the remit of the commercial structures that have delivered entertainment and content to where we are today. It's like maybe that business is just looking around going, well, what are we going to do next then? Well, I don't know, maybe you haven't got a choice about what you're going to do next. Maybe what's going to be done next is going to come from a completely different group of people with much smaller ambitions and a, and a different approach to, to, to generating information and content. Um, and, and in that space, perhaps we are going to see, uh, you know, a really, really big sea change over the next few years. So it's really exciting, but it seems that the big drivers are coming from left field and they're almost coming out of the communities that these platforms and social media services have have created rather than being a top-down delivery by the people that traditionally 
control the barriers to entry. So I think a big change is coming. It seems like all the different bits of the business are being disrupted at the same time, whether it's broadcast, production, distribution. They're all being disrupted. And it's not just by digital, but the whole vertical integration and consolidation thing is disrupting it enormously as well. I mean, if, even if you look at the production, that everyone says that the, all the models are broken, the whole studio, all the, all the tried and tested established models that have kept the business going for ages all seem to be broken, whether it's the studio model or the pilot model, or the distribution model. Um, and as, as the business becomes appealing to much bigger players, like some of the M&A activity that Johnny's just mentioned, you know, that, that's not finished yet. When you, know, when you get some of the big players want a piece of the action, and when you think of all the, the companies waiting in the wings, you know, the telcos and the tech companies, and the, you know, they, the, they've got so much money to spend on this. And the, the rather quaint little idea of distribution and production that it was back in 97 when we first started writing about these kinds of deals and stuff. That, that quaint model of getting rights and selling them and making a bit of money or coming up with an idea and selling it and retaining rights and you know that that I, I often wonder how much space there is in the future business for that. I think model. it's broken but um, I think what comes next in anything like that is always not what you expect or often not what you expect so we've you know, over the years we've seen so much consolidation in companies and you always worry when there's consolidation that the markets are going to disappear and revenue is going to go away and but what comes out of consolidation is normally a load of people that aren't comfortable with it spit out the other side and launch things that are actually more creative than the things that they did beforehand so I think that consolidation does sort of often lead to new innovation from people who, who don't live within inside those sorts of frameworks particularly comfortably and consolidation also at the moment seems to be about the fear of, of not being able to control everything in order to gain uh, build a future for yourself and it's like you can only put rings around so many things you know because if it's going to come from somewhere completely different and Facebook and Instagram and all, all of the networks that are about community activity and gaming you know sort of the gaming networks these are all groups of people that haven't got a, a commercial allegiance or business model or P&L that they're trying to, to service. So I just wonder if consolidation in itself won't necessarily always control the future because you might find that the real innovative idea comes out of one of those consolidated companies because they're often very difficult to work within, as we all know, because that's why we launched C21, because we couldn't do it. So I don't know what's going to happen, but for sure, we're all more accountable. You know, when we came down to MIPCOM in 1997, I think we had a bag of cash, I think we had 3,000 probably francs in those days, in a bag, because we couldn't get credit cards. You know, we, we launched with Soho House, with the C21 Soho House boat, and that was great, because it did the brand a lot of good. But I'm not even sure we had mobile phones. I think we launched the business by having one of those automatic fax media packs that just sent things out to everybody. So, you know, the time it took for you to get something done was months. Stories didn't happen immediately. There was, there was this, this, this sort of the luxury of time to plan what you were doing next and the world all moved at this sort of relatively slow pace. The reason we had two years to launch the internet, our, our website, and nobody else did anything in the meantime was because the, the, the pace of change was so slow and comfortable and it, nothing happened quickly. What happens now is everything happens instantly and it changes instantly and it, before it's even set it's become something else and I think that's a real problem not just for the content business but for the society it serves you know it's an insanely 
uh, transient world we live in and there, I don't think there are any rules that you could apply to know what happens next. But Johnny, you know, that's what Ed and I think. You've been in charge of our future media strategy from a, from the time when your future media strategy was different to your uh, uh, you know your your broader strategy because you know you've run the future media brand for, for a long time and you've you've edited the website and you've been very close to a lot of that that innovation. What have been the most significant changes for you down the last twenty one years? And if you were to think about what happens next, what 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 would be your top your top thoughts? It's quite hard to answer, but I guess I've been asking you all the questions. In nineteen ninety seven, I was teaching English in Japan and I was living with some Americans and they introduced me to this thing called the internet and I got my first Hotmail account. So that was how I became interested in the internet and in technology and I was partly in Japan. I wanted to see what the future looked like and I had a a thought that Japan might offer me that. Coming into the industry and joining C21, I worked at print magazines and having seen what had happened to the music industry, I was very interested in, in what was next, which was how the internet was was going to shake up the television business. One of the biggest things, obviously, that we, we've only just touched on that's, that's changed, not only has the internet changed the delivery of mechanisms behind content, but it's also the kind of content that people consume. And no one would have conceived in the years prior to the arrival of the internet that, for example, Scandinavian noir could become a phenomenon all around the world and that people would quite happily consume subtitled television, particularly in, in a market like America. Just just that change, I think, is probably the biggest one that I would actually highlight. And I think that's where companies like Netflix is obviously leading the pack in that. Amazon closely behind, as you reference, Facebook, the incredible global reach that that company has, and YouTube, of course, as well. The fact that these companies are now tapping into the stories all around the world told in different voices than the uh, the kind of US export programs that we all used to sort of snap up and I certainly grew up on. Beyond the, the, the technology, and obviously there's been incredible technological advances, and as you say, with Future Media, we've, we've tried to track all of those trends, whether it's virtual reality or esports. All of these things have an impact on the business, some of them in, in smaller or, or larger ways. But as far as content is concerned, and as far as viewers are concerned, and the world is concerned, the internet has, has opened up us to each other and in the entertainment that we consume we gain a better understanding of the stories that are being told and the experiences that people are having all around the world and um, that's why it's it's so great to be operating in an, an international business because you're you're right at the the front end of all of that and, and, and you get to enjoy that. And it also has a, an impact on the sorts of stories that are told as well, doesn't it? You know, the sort of, in a sort of a media is the message sort of a way, you know, that the, when the Facebook generation starts consuming content and then making content, then the sort of content it makes and consumes is very much of itself. And that changes the nature of content right from an attention span to where the audience sits within that relationship and I think that regardless of Netflix's rise to power which is basically it's just an it's just a delivery platform it's invested in content but the behavior around it has only changed in so much as it's now a, a step on from what we used to get when we had Sky on demand or, or, or any on demand service but once the 
social media platforms get involved in the content story, perhaps it will really change then because it will be a, it will be a really it will be a two way relationship. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being here in 21 years time with uh, with a print magazine as well. I think uh, long may that continue. Finally, I mean, how are we going to be celebrating down in Cannes? What's going on down there? And um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be a very special moment for you. Look, the business was 21 years old in July. We launched the company on the um, 5th of July, um, 1997. We went to Ibiza this year for a week, which is fantastic, and uh, celebrated the launch of the company there. It's the 21st birthday of Channel 21 magazine at MIPCOM, and um, I think it's, it's, it's compelling to see it still around in such healthy form probably not what we all expected we probably expected the decline of print how are we going to celebrate we'll be down the club uh, the magazine's full of uh, articles about the change in the business from analog to digital which conveniently has happened alongside the evolution of the magazine so the story that we will be telling i think is about that and where we sit within that story is uh, is an interesting part uh, as well so um, I think we'll just be happy to be there with everyone sort of trying to figure out what happens next. And the, the good thing is that the industry is celebrating as well because, you know, despite all the things we've discussed and all the things we've experienced in the dark days of, of the credit crunch and all that kind of thing, you know, we're now in a boom time. There's so much money swilling around the business that loads of people want to invest in the business. So, you know, it's not, we're not just celebrating our birthday, but the, the industry is celebrating the fact that it's, 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 it's now sort of uh, got lots of money and it's booming. Yeah, best MIPCOM ever. <laughs>